0: Welcome to The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig, a podcast which endeavors to expose the truth behind legal stories that are distorted by mainstream media. And now, here's your host, passionate truth seeker and veteran attorney, Jill Rosenzweig. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. I'm your host, Jill Rosenzweig, and today I'm going to be talking to you about Adnan Syed, who uh, some of you probably have heard of, he was the subject of the Serial podcast, which was actually the very first podcast that I ever listened to. Um, and so it, it, it was a really um, fascinating podcast series, and it was really one of the reasons why I started to think about having my own podcast one day. And the reason why I'm talking about Adnan Sayed is because there was just a petition that was filed to the Supreme Court and uh, that was filed just over the past week and a half or so. And the idea of that uh, petition was that the attorneys for Adnan Syed are asking the Supreme Court to look at the decision that was rendered by the Maryland Court of Appeals in which the Maryland Court of Appeals denied uh, the right to a new trial uh, to Adnan Syed. And that was a 4-3 decision in which the Maryland Court of Appeals reversed the lower court's decision and basically said that Adnan Syed was not entitled to a new trial because the court felt that he was not prejudiced by the inadequate representation that he received from his attorney Christina Gutierrez, who is now deceased. I just wanted to talk to you about the arguments that are advanced by Adnan Syed's lawyers in the petition that was just filed in the Supreme Court and uh, just give you my thoughts as to whether or not I believe that there was prejudice and whether or not I think Adnan Syed is entitled to a new trial. Um, And so I'll do my best to present the information to you Keeping in mind that I have the utmost respect for the serial podcast and all the other people that have covered this topic. And uh, part of me feels like it's kind of um, almost arrogant of me to think that I should be covering this, but it is a a topic that I find so fascinating. And it's a story that I've been following for years now. And so I just want to sort of explain the procedural history and give you my thoughts. Uh, So going back to the actual uh case i don't know there might be some of you that didn't follow the case itself when it was covered by serial Uh, this is a case where there were two people who were in high school uh adnan syed was 17 years old he was dating a girl named Haman lee and Haman lee was murdered one day during the school year, very shortly after she and Adnan Syed had broken up. And about a month later, her body was discovered in a park in Maryland. She had been partially buried in that park. And when she was found in the park, uh, it had been discovered that she was strangled to death. And not long thereafter, uh, someone called, there was an anonymous phone call to law enforcement in which the caller said that the police should be looking at Adnan Syed, that he was Haman Lee's ex-boyfriend, and that he should be someone that they look at. And the next thing you know, he was arrested and later convicted um, of murdering his ex-girlfriend. And there's been a lot of speculation as to whether or not he did it. it, it it's been discussed f- over the past several years. It, it's become something that a lot of people have talked about particularly because it became sort of a story of interest when it was covered by Serial. And there were since, I think there was another podcast that covered the story, and then there was a documentary on HBO uh, that really sort of brought to light new details about the case. And really the prosecution's case came down to the testimony of a person by the name of Jay Wilds who was this pothead with kind of a bit of a sketchy background who changed his story multiple times. Uh, But nonetheless, he is the essentially the reason why Adnan Syed ended up being convicted was based on the testimony of Jay Wilds, who said that right after Adnan Syed allegedly strangled his ex-girlfriend in the parking lot of a Best Buy, he called Jay Wilds and told him to come meet him there. Jay Wilds claims that Adnan Syed showed him the body of Haman Lee inside the trunk of a car. And that hours later, uh, Jay Wilds went with Adnan Syed to bury Haman Lee's body in the woods of this park in Maryland. And um, there was no direct evidence in the sense that um, there were no eyewitnesses to the murder this was all really. It came down to the testimony of Jay Wilds, and the crux of the appeals uh, came down to two separate issues. One was at the trial there was a lot of weight placed on uh, the cell phone records, which later it turned out that the um, you know the state was really relying on these cell phone records to sort of pin where. Adnan Syed was his location. And the argument was that the cell phone towers that were being pinged when there were incoming and outgoing calls could really help locate his whereabouts. And they were trying to show that he was definitely at the park in question, uh, burying Heyman Lee's body. But it later turned out that those cell phone towers uh, did not actually pinpoint the location of Adnan Syed. And so the argument was that Adnan Syed's lawyer was delinquent in her duties as his attorney by not pointing out to the court that one could not really rely on the cell phone towers um, as evidence of Mr. Syed's whereabouts. And then the other issue uh, that was presented to the court and, and sort of argued was an error by Adnan Syed's attorney was that not long after... Adnan Sayed was taken into custody, there was uh, an, another student by the name of Asia McLean, someone who was not good friends with Adnan Sayed. Uh, she was kind of an independent witness who really had no, um, you know, no stake in terms of the outcome of the case. She came forward. She actually went to Adnan Sayed's house and spoke with his family and explained to them that she actually saw Adnan Sayed at the library immediately after school on the day of the murder and she was speaking with him during the exact 20-minute window in which the state was claiming heyman lee was murdered and apparently the family did not really understand the importance of her potential testimony so this girl asia mclean then wrote to adnan sayed and explained to him that she specifically recalled speaking with him at the library on the same day of the murder, exactly during that 20-minute time frame that the state was alleging Heyman Lee was murdered. And apparently, Amman Sayed told his attorney, Christina Gutierrez, that he had this alibi witness, And he asked Ms. Gutierrez to reach out to Asia McLean and Ms. Gutierrez never did that. And so what she did at the trial instead was she basically talked about what Adnan Syed typically did after school. And so she said that he typically would go to uh, some sort of sports practice after school and then he would go to his mosque. So that was what she argued at trial, essentially using a typical day of Adnan Syed but not using any witnesses that might contradict the timeline that the prosecution was uh, presenting to the jury. And, you know, so here we have the defendant's counsel saying, well, he typically would go to the sports practice and then he would go to a mosque. And that was being weighed against the prosecution saying that this boy Jay Wilds was saying that Adnan Syed called him from this Best Buy parking lot, showed him the body in the trunk of the car, and then the two of them went to the woods so that Adnan Sayed could bury the body later that same day. And so because of that competing evidence, the jury decided that uh, they were going to convict Adnan Sayed because they felt that um, the evidence against him rose to the level of establishing his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, and he's been serving a life sentence ever since. Um, And, you know, he claims to this day that he is innocent and that he did not murder his ex-girlfriend, that they broke up amicably. Uh, There was another boyfriend in the picture at the time that Heyman Lee was murdered, and it doesn't seem like he was really investigated very much. Uh, The person that discovered Heyman Lee's body in the woods was uh, a sketchy character with a criminal history and it doesn't really seem that he was investigated as a potential suspect at the time of the murder. Um, So the contention is that the prosecution honed in on Adnan Syed and and kind of had blinders on and never really looked into other potential suspects, and that they really committed to this very specific timeline in which they're claiming that Adnan Syed left school with Heyman Lee at around 2.15 in the afternoon, that they drove to the Best Buy parking lot, and that Haman Lee was strangled and dead by 236. And like I said before, Asia McLean is a witness who specifically recalls that uh, Adnan Sayed was at the library between 215 and 236. And so the question becomes, was it ineffective assistance of counsel when she failed to present this alibi witness at trial? And the case has really made its way through the court system, going from the lowest court all the way up. It's now before the Supreme Court, and we'll see if the Supreme Court decides to take the case. But when you look at the history here, there have been some inconsistent findings. So in 2015, the circuit court reopened the case to look at two separate issues. One is this alibi witness testimony of Asia McLean, and the other had to do with the cell phone towers and whether or not that information was reliable in terms of pinpointing where adnan sayad was and at that hearing in 2015 mclean testified and what happened was she said you know i specifically recall seeing him at the library during that 20 minute window and what the state did then was said well we're going to present evidence to show that he might have done it later in the day and the circuit court said no wait a second here you've committed to a specific timeline You're not now allowed to just adjust your timeline when we're talking about whether or not there's been ineffective assistance of counsel and whether or not the defendant was prejudiced because uh, the attorney that he had did not do the right job for him. And so the court said, no, you you need to stick with the timeline that you originally presented. But still, the circuit court held that there was no prejudice because The circuit court basically focused on the fact that there was still evidence that uh, Adnan Sayed buried the body later that day. And so the circuit court said, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter if Adnan Sayed is able to directly controvert the timeline of the murder. What we do know is that we have evidence that he buried the body at a certain time based upon the testimony of this guy, Jay Wilds, who, like I said before, was not a very reliable person. But they said, you know, just based on that testimony alone, we feel that there was no prejudice because a jury still could have convicted Adnan Syed based on the fact that there was this evidence that he buried the body. And so that's what the circuit court said. And then the that decision was appealed. And then the Maryland Court of Special Appeals um, actually said that they did feel that uh, Adnan Sayed was prejudiced by the fact that McLean's testimony was never heard. They said, look, it's a direct alibi to the state's timeline. And when you have a direct alibi and that alibi isn't heard, of course, there's prejudice to the defendant. And so that decision was then appealed again. So you have to understand it's kind of being ping pong. So the losing party of each of these decisions is then appealing it to the court above. And so it went all the way up to the Maryland Court of Appeals and the Maryland Court of Appeals granted the review, and they ended up reversing the lower court's decision. Um, It was a a 4-3 decision. And basically, that's what this case before the Supreme Court is about. It has to do with the Maryland Court of Appeals decision. And essentially, Adnan Syed's lawyers are arguing that the Maryland Court of Appeals got it completely wrong and that their decision is a total departure from all of these previous decisions that have been uh, determined by various courts across the country, both state courts and federal courts, and that the Maryland Court of Appeals decision also contradicts Supreme Court decisions that talk about whether or not a defendant is prejudiced based upon the, their attorney's ineffective assistance of counsel. And so it's a fascinating argument. I looked at the, the cases that uh, Adnan Syed's lawyers are presenting to the court, and um, it's just a really interesting question. And so, what the Maryland Court of Appeals said was, "Look, it, even if the state argued that Heyman Lee was murdered between two fifteen and two thirty six, if Adnan Sayed was then able to present an alibi." that said, no, that's not possible. It couldn't have been Adnan Sayed because I know exactly where he was at that time. So he could not possibly have murdered Heyman Lee during that 20 minute window. What the court of appeals said was, well, you know, a jury could have said, you know what? OK, fine. So he didn't murder her within that 20 minute time frame, but he could have murdered her later on in the day. And so what the court of appeals is saying is that the jury could have ignored the state's case. And said, We're not going to buy what the prosecution is presenting to us. We're just going to ignore that timeline and assume that he might have murdered her later in the day. And based on that, we would convict him still. And so what the Court of Appeals said was, we don't think there's adequate prejudice here because it's very possible that a jury could have just ignored the state's case and ignored that timeline and concluded that he must have murdered her later since he obviously didn't murder her between 215 and 236. And so what Adnan Syed's lawyers are saying is that you shouldn't be coming up with these hypotheticals and guessing that a jury might have just ignored the state's case. The way that you analyze prejudice is you're supposed to take the state's case as it was presented at trial, which was, that Heyman Lee was murdered between 215 and 236, and then you evaluate that against what the defendant's attorney should have presented at trial. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to say, okay, the state presented that Heyman Lee was murdered between 215 and 236, and then the defendant, had his attorney been doing a good job, would have had this alibi witness, an independent alibi witness who was not close to Abnan Sayed was not related to him, wasn't even friends with him, really. They were acquaintances, who is coming forward and saying, no, I saw him at the library at that time. And so you have to look at the evidence that the state presented and say, would the defendant have been able to, within a reasonable probability, secure a different outcome in the case had this evidence been presented? And so what Adnan Sayed's lawyers are saying is you just need to look at the exact evidence that was presented by the state, compare it against what should have happened had the defendant had a, an attorney that was doing a good job, and then analyze whether or not there's a reasonable probability that the outcome could have been different. And when you look at a reasonable probability, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. You're not trying to say, you know, he would have been... Um, exonerated, no, that's not what the reasonable probability measure is. It's just to say, is it reasonably probable? So is it more likely than not? So is there a 51% chance that had Asia McLean's testimony been heard by the jury in the case, that they might have determined that they were not going to convict Adnan Syed, because keep in mind, to convict him, they have to believe... That he murdered Haman Lee beyond a reasonable doubt. So I think that when you have direct testimony that contradicts the time frame of the murder, in my mind, you've shown that there's adequate prejudice because I believe you've met this fifty-one percent burden to show that it's reasonably probable a jury might have concluded differently. And one of the things that the defendant's attorney, so Adnan Sayad's attorney, in this. Petition to the Supreme Court talks about is there's a case that was before the Supreme Court that was decided by the Supreme Court called Wary. And in that case, uh, the Supreme Court talked about what the crux of the murder is. So essentially, the crux of the murder, according to this Wary decision, is the murder itself. It's not what happened after the murder. So you can't hinge your case on the fact that there is evidence, or at least there's a claim by Jay Wilds to say that Adnan Sayed buried the body hours later, because really, what does that show? Does that show that Adnan Sayed murdered Haman Lee, or that he was maybe an accessory to the crime? It's not direct evidence to show that he murdered her. It does suggest that he was somehow involved. But what his lawyers are saying here is that the crux of the murder is really the 20-minute time frame in which the prosecution is claiming that this woman was murdered. And is there evidence here that was never presented to a jury to show that it couldn't have been uh, Adnan Sayed? Because we have evidence to show that he was somewhere else. And so, essentially, that's what's being argued here: is that we need to look at the alibi witness testimony. And look at the direct evidence that was presented by the prosecution where they committed to this 20-minute window. It's not like they were vague about when it happened. The state was very specific and said that she was murdered immediately after school before Adnan Sayed called Jay Wilds at 2.36 to have him come pick him up at the Best Buy. And so what the defendant's attorney is saying to the Supreme Court here is that you can't just evaluate prejudice based on these hypotheticals and say, well, you know what? It's possible that a jury would have ignored the timeline. It's possible a jury would have decided that he was still guilty of murder. In my mind, really, that's possible. It's possible that a jury will decide in the end that he did murder her, but that's what a trial is for. So a proper trial, when you look at the Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial and effective assistance of counsel The idea behind that is that a jury hears all of the evidence and then a jury decides who they are going to believe. So in a proper trial where all of the evidence is presented, you'll have Jay Wilds telling his story and he'll take the stand and the jury will be able to evaluate him and they'll hear him be cross-examined. They'll hear the challenges to his testimony because a lot of his statements to the police were incredibly inconsistent and his story changed and there are other witnesses that contradict what Jay Wilde said in terms of where he was when and the timeline of things. And so all of that would be presented at a trial to a jury. And then they would hear Asia McLean take the stand and she would also be cross-examined. And the credibility of these two witnesses would be evaluated by the jury. And they would then decide, do they care about what Asia McLean has to say do they feel that maybe he did it later in the day and they've decided that they don't care what Asia McLean said because they still believe that he did it? Or is her testimony sufficient for them to say, you know what, we cannot establish that he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, so this person should go free? Um, that's up to a jury to, to decide. And the question before the Supreme Court right now is whether or not Abnan Sayad is entitled to a new trial to give him the opportunity for a jury to hear all of this information and then evaluate who they believe and what they think actually happened on that day years ago. And my feeling is, is that it's possible that a jury will ultimately conclude that they think he did it, but not during that 20 minute window, so they don't care about Asia McLean. That's possible, but I still feel that he deserves his day in court and he deserves to have all of the testimony heard and a jury will decide whether or not they believe this alibi witness and whether or not they believe that her testimony is sufficient to clear uh, Adnan Syed. Uh, But I do believe that he deserves a new trial, and I don't feel that the idea that the Maryland Court of Appeals advanced, which is that you can just avoid the idea of a defendant being prejudiced by their attorney not presenting an alibi witness because you never know what might happen and you never know what a jury might conclude. Well, that's the, then there would never be prejudice. You would never find prejudice because you can always come up with a reason why a jury might work around the failures of a defense attorney, even if their lawyer did a terrible job. That's always a possibility, but that's not the appropriate analysis here. You need to look at what the state presented look at what the defendant should have presented and then decide whether or not it's reasonably probable, which is really a 51% standard, that there might have been a different outcome in the case. And then you send it back to a trial court and have a jury make the decision. And you know what? If in the end that evidence, the alibi witness, wouldn't have made any difference, so then he'll lose again. And, and what have you lost by giving this man another opportunity to have his case heard and potentially the course of his life will change as a result. Uh, I think that everybody involved, including Heyman Lee, deserves to have an outcome of the case that looks at all of the evidence so that there is justice and the the truth is pursued here, Um, not just some uh, storyline that the state committed to and they now want to stick with that storyline and go after the person that they honed in on years and years ago, and they never looked at anybody else involved. Um, So my personal feeling is that I'm hopeful that the Supreme Court decides to hear this case. I think that this case is important in terms of establishing the standard of review when there's ineffective assistance of counsel. And it's, it's just important in my mind that there's a consistency there, not just for this specific case, but for Uh, the entire legal community, and especially within criminal law where there are very serious consequences to there being ineffective assistance of counsel. This is very serious. You want to hold lawyers to a certain standard. They really do need to pursue certain witnesses, and they do need to investigate these cases to a certain degree, and especially here where the attorney in question was literally presented with this alibi witness it's not like she had to search for a witness for him there was an alibi that came forward offered to testify on behalf of Adnan Sayed, and his lawyer just never pursued it that to me is clear malpractice it's clear ineffective assistance of counsel and the question is whether as to whether or not Adnan Sayed was prejudiced in my mind I think it's clear that it's reasonably probable that there could have been a different outcome in the case because you have this person coming forward and saying, no, he was not at Best Buy during that time. He was somewhere else. And then it really leads one to a question, well, what really happened here? Um, so to me, a new trial is warranted. I really hope it happens. And I hope that the Supreme Court decides to take this case and make a decision. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, those are my thoughts on this issue. Thanks so much for listening. If you have thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is thewholetruthpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at thewholetruthpod. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at the Whole Truth with Jill Rosenswag. I have a Facebook group there, and I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And um, if you can take the time to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. Have a great week. Thanks.